afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Uncast Podcast. We are here on episode four. Um, my name, you know, I'm your host, Matthew Castaneda. And today, this time, we're going to be coming back to my home state, New Jersey, but this time a bit more locally. Um, I am here with my next guest, Ryan Martinez. He is the mayor of Butler Township in the great state of New Jersey. Um, and he's here with us today. Uh, Ryan, how are you doing today? Not too bad, Matt. Thanks for having me. And just to correct you, it's the Butler, the borough of Butler. Borough Butler, my mistake. It's like for anyone that doesn't live in New Jersey, there's a lot of uh, townships and boroughs in the town. Like even for my town in Jersey, there's like a Chester Township and a Chester Borough. So it, it can easily get confusing, right? And there's a whole story behind that, but that'll take, you know, days to explain. But nonetheless, so Ryan, um, you know, we've been good friends for a good while. We've known each other, you know, of course, in political circles in New Jersey for the past few years or so, um, especially through um, Young Americans for Liberty, through my involvement there. But um, just just tell everyone a bit more about like a bit about yourself, you know, who you are, you know, what you're, of course, what you're doing now, your past life experience, you know, just give, just give us the rundown of who Ryan Martinez is. Sure. My name is Ryan Martinez. I'm originally from Co-op City in the Bronx. Um, I went to high school in upstate New York. Graduated from college, went to law school. I've been a practicing attorney since 2004. Licensed in New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. Um, worked for uh, various different firms during my career. Was always interested in politics, but politics, excuse me. But early on, especially like work, just took over my life. I really didn't have a lot of time to do much. As I got a little bit older and was able to get involved in more things, I was a lifelong Democrat since probably I was registered to vote at 18. But as time went on, I would say like the Democratic Party's uh, policies or the things that they promoted really didn't jive with what I believed. So I actually had switched affiliation to the Libertarian uh, Party around 2017, 2018-ish, ran for Congress in the 11th District in 2018. And it was during that time where, as you know, Libertarians don't get a lot of press. They're not really... Uh, invited to the table when it comes to debates or saboteur yes um and i was lucky enough to get into a couple of debates during that time period and when the debates were over several people approached me afterwards and said you know you did really well and you handled yourself pretty good you know maybe if you were with a political party like you know one of the big ones you might be able to do something and to be honest it hurt to but they were right you know like i didn't i barely registered in the election because you know no one knew who i was and no one was getting any press but i came over to the republican party i got active very quickly and in a couple of years time our mayor stepped down and the council voted you know we have a six-person council and they voted for me to be appointed as the mayor in november 2020 no, that's that's fantastic which i really want to touch upon because that's interesting you basically went through three parties in a matter of like a few years so what caused that? Like, what inspired you to be a Democrat in the first place? Were you one of those that like just walked away, where you know the Democrat Party wasn't wasn't the party that you you initially thought it was? Like, what was going through your mind when you uh, first switched parties? It was upbringing mostly. I mean, growing up, my entire family and circle were Democrats. The Republicans were the ones that were you know hated minorities and were only for the rich. So I was like, well, I don't believe in that. So obviously, I'm a Democrat then, without really testing my views or really hearing any other opinions when right. i started to look into a little bit more i started listening to some of the conservative opinions and values and i'm like they got a point there and i started challenging my own beliefs 
I didn't know if I wanted to go to the Republican Party. I read, I kind of found the Libertarian Party, read their platform, like this is who I am. This is like a, a freedom-based thing. Don't hurt anybody. Don't take their stuff. Non-aggression principle. I'm like, I can get behind this. Right. The problem being, and you're aware of this too, and we've had this conversation, is they've been around for almost, you know, 50 years now, and they don't seem to be making a dent in the political sphere. Sadly, no. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, So I guess at that point, of course, you know, the typical libertarian mantras, you know, like fiscally conservative, socially liberal, even now that because, you know, you obviously you switched back to switched over to the Republican Party. Now, what did you learn from running third party? I mean, of course, you touched upon um, how some of your interactions were, especially after debates. Like, what was it like running a third party in a campaign for Congress? You know, for context, uh, he ran for New Jersey 11th Congressional District against uh, Democrat Mikey Sherrill, who's the incumbent now and uh, current assemblyman, but then Republican nominee Jay Weber. So how was that? Like, how was the dynamic? How was it working with fellow LP, you know, fellow act, LP activists at the time and other activists that were, and other people that are willing to support your campaign? What was that like? That old saying, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around, doesn't make a noise. It was me yelling in the forest with no one around. There was not really a following or anything to really attach to. I mean, I had support of, you know, the other LP uh, people who were running, like I ran on a stick with Murray Sabrin. Murray and me are very good friends. I had a great time campaigning and running around with Murray. Um, some of the other people ran for Congress in the other districts I got along with well, but there really is no grassroots support. There's not really like any activities where they push their candidates because they really have a kind of like hands-off right. philosophy. Like it's not a strong foundation. No, they don't. Uh, they don't fundraise. They don't get the word out. Um, the people you're talking to, you're preaching to the choir. So it was difficult. I will say though that the experience. I mean, it showed me something about what it's like to run for Congress at a very low level. I, I became very friendly with Assemblyman Weber, and when I came over to the Republican Party, he kind of gave me. He was at the um, Republican Club meeting I first went to because he makes the rounds and goes to all of them, and he kind of made a bit. He kind of made a big deal of me. He was like, you know, he kind of announced me to the room, like, listen, I debated this guy. This is a big get for you. He knows his stuff. And it gave me sort of like everyone's looking like, huh, okay, who's this, you know, who's this guy? And that kind of started, then I just started doing more and more. We did more activities, more events. I was really, really active with them. And then it led to my current position, which honestly is the best thing I've ever had so far. I really enjoyed the job. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um, That's something I was going to ask too. Like ever since you made the switch to the Republican Party, I imagine, of course, you got directly involved straight away like how, how was the reception like how did people see you you know especially considering you're more you're much more libertarian minded than someone like jay weber would be or most republicans in new jersey how well were you received um when you switched over to the gop i mean i would from my i was received with open arms that goes from the gop chair who's laura lee welcomed me with open arms my local republican club um open opened the door for me and welcomed me in they got me involved right away and it's funny because it's not this i feel like there's two factions right now in the gop there's the old guard very conservative that has those you know very starch conservative values then there's like the newer generation that's more more libertarian minded more yeah. freedom based whether it be medical freedom or some of them have very a lot of things that they preach sound like libertarian values yeah, but there is that split between them, and I feel like I'm kind of a bridge between both of them, honestly, because I get along very well with both of them. And I do like where both of them come on different issues. Right, right, and that's what that school was going to be the next question, because 
obviously in order to you know really make any form of progress whatsoever you know uh, running as a republican in new jersey um have you felt like i was going to ask like how you've been able to be um to become that bridge um how you've been able to do that you know to help you get yourself into your current position now as mayor of butler and of course getting yourself well connected within the njgop like and especially now when it comes to the uh, the gubernatorial election you know this past um you know for this year uh, currently of course the uh, nominee now is uh, former assemblyman jack chiarelli um, you publicly expressed your support for him. Um, ultimately, to be honest, I did as well. But to be honest, like there were, you know, valid criticisms of Cherelli, of course, in terms of, you know, when it comes to freedom issues and uh, issues that are more, uh, I guess, more relevant, more important to libertarians. Uh, what would be your basis, right? Like, what was your case? What would be your case in terms of supporting Cherelli over someone that's more liberty minded, like? Her saying, especially when it came to uh, marijuana legalization, decriminalization, some along the lines of that, and of course Phil Rosa when it came to uh, medical freedom, when it came to you know a bunch of other issues that um, a lot of Republicans could see as um, an overbearance of a uh, big government. Yeah, I think Jack started very early. I mean, he announced what was that January twenty twenty that he was running. Yeah, very early. He started out first. Yeah, he had the fundraising, he had the machine, if you will, behind them. I don't really have anything negative to say about either Phil Rizzo or Singh. I've spoken to both of them many times. Um, there was a very uh, contested, there were people that, you know, had their candidate and wouldn't bear listen about anything about, regarding the other two. Yeah, after the, um, yeah, after the primary, there are people writing, I'm going to write a candidate in or I'm not voting, which that makes no sense to me. I've kind of maintained from the get-go, look, I, I'm backing Jack. I think he's come a long way on some of his uh, policies and positions. And I know others who have spoken to him that's kind of led him in the right direction. I, he's been saying the right things as of late. But from the get-go, I was like, listen, any one of those three guys who won the primary would be better than what we currently have. Oh, 100%. And I was, was going to support them. So I don't understand why people just couldn't let go. Like, it, I didn't stick my finger in the eye of any of Rizzo or Think supporters. I think they both ran very good campaigns. Phil started a little bit late. I think he might have even had more of a backing if he had started earlier, but we're here. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he has a place in New Jersey politics in the future, but Jack's a candidate. I think Jack is a good candidate and I'm looking forward to seeing him win in November. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially for uh, any Republicans to make inroads um, in, in New Jersey. And New Jersey's always been uh, interesting, politically speaking, because, of course, while in presidential elections, Congress and Senate, they've been very blue. They've been very safe Democrat. But when it came to gubernatorial elections, it, it seems to be almost the opposite. It, be, it became a swing state, technically, when it came to that. Of course, we've had prominent Republicans such as Thomas Kane Sr., uh, Christine Todd Whitman, um, Donald Francesco, and of course went back and forth with others like um, of course Corzine, you know, now Phil Murphy, you know, like do, do you do you understand like do you know why that that is the case? Because like I've always know like I've always seen it as like an anomaly, you know. I always found like kind of interesting compared to the other elections that New Jersey gets involved in. Like I mentioned before, it's safe democratic safe democrat across the board. Why do you think there's like a, there seems to be like a political shift or something or like a different political climate when it comes to uh, the gubernatorial elections? No, it's a good question. You're right. It is strange. I mean, I, I think as we both know that no Democrat in the last 40 years has gotten a second term. It's always been a Republican afterwards. So that doesn't spell well for Murphy. However, I don't understand why the assembly in the Senate has been pretty solidly Democrat the whole time. Um, 
I'm concerned that too many people are giving the just the governorship a look without realizing that without the Senate and the Assembly, it's just going to be a it really going to be a standstill. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen, which was kind of what Christie did for the two terms he was in. He was dealing with Democrat legislature, and nothing really got done. He kind of just prevented certain things from happening. So you got to vote down, uh, downstream too. A lot of people, and this happened even in local races, like. You know, in the primary, we were unopposed, but there was a chance of vote. Like, I got, I'm just making these numbers up. I got, like, 300 votes, and then the councilman below me, like, one got, like, 240, 230, 210. So, it's like, did you not vote down the line, or you only went to vote for one specific person? Some people do that, too. I really can't explain it, but obviously it happens. But, no, it's, it's a great question. I don't know why that seems to be this sort of weird thing. It kind of bounces back and forth at the governor level, but not at the local legislature level. Which seems interesting because I remember even as far back as 2017, which um, Jack Cherelli also ran at that time, but of course he came second in the primary to uh, then-Lieutenant Governor Kim Guadano. I remember seeing right. like, polls, and of course as we've seen over the past few years, polls don't seem to mean as much as they used to, but I remember there was this one poll I read, I forgot what source it was, I believe it was like a local New Jersey poll, where a vast majority or a significant majority of uh, voters in New Jersey stated that their number one issue is property taxes, right? Especially considering if you're not, if you don't live in New Jersey, New Jersey has one on average one of the biggest property tax liabilities of any state in the country. I mean, overall, we we pay the most taxes of any of any citizen of any state in the country. In, in fact, I, I believe it was according to fee.org, there was a there was an article that they posted out recently ranking all the fifty states. You know, from 50th to first, from you know lowest tax liability to highest tax liability over the course of a lifetime, and New Jersey on average was almost one million dollars. I think it was like nine hundred forty thousand dollars or something that a New Jersey would pay in taxes over the course of their lifetime, which put them at number one, far above anyone else, even in even other deep blue states such as Massachusetts, New York, you know, Rhode Island, you you name it. Like w- there's literally no one that beats us when it comes to tax rates. Now, now, do you do you see this as like an issue that it can still really ring true with Democrats, especially those that are disaffiliated and really see a lot of issues with um, Phil Murphy, you know, Phil Murphy's policies, you know, really progressive policies when it comes to um, increasing taxes on businesses, increasing taxes on individuals, even though he says he wants to only specifically do it for the rich or the top one percent. Like, has there has there been any other Democrats that you've seen that have been disaffiliated, disaffiliated like the way that you were um, a few years ago? Are you starting to see that here? Well, definitely, but you know, the I don't think it's just Democrats. See, the the problem that I see, and this is just one man's opinion, is if you ask anybody, regardless if they're unaffiliated or they were one of the parties, they'll say, yeah, property taxes is too high. But then once you start giving the things you would have to do in order to, re- to reduce them, they don't like that. Like as you alluded to when we started, like we have what is it, 565 municipalities in New Jersey, Something as opposed like to 600. And something like 600 school districts. So you have all of these different uh, fire departments and police departments. A real smart move would be to consolidate some of them. That would bring down a lot of costs. Nobody wants to do that. Even the residents of the city don't want, there's a lot of pushback. I know Princeton did it with uh, Princeton Township not too long ago. But I think Chester tried doing it. That was shot down. There have been Mm -hmm. other cities where it's like, look, you guys have less than 10,000 people. Let's consolidate these. But people don't want to do that. I remember Chris Christie did an initiative like that. I want to say during his governorship, I want to say 2013, something along the lines of that. I know he was governor when he tried to, to, you know, uh, put this plan to action. And with Chester itself and among other towns, it's like, it's a whole battle over sewage, a whole battle over local stuff, and it just 
gets so convoluted and ridiculous. But of course, you know, with you as the uh, current incumbent mayor of, uh, of Butler Borough, or the Borough of Butler in New Jersey, uh, pardon me, um, what's, some, what's some things have you been able to accomplish as mayor? Like, you know, go with, you know, some of the principles that you've had or some of the actions that you've taken. Like, how how has the Borough of Butler changed or, you know, have made a difference, that you've made a difference ever since uh, you were appointed as mayor? Well, when I got appointed, we were still kind of in the middle of the pandemic. So there wasn't a lot going on in right. the borough at the time. The one thing that I wanted to do is I want to be as visible and active as possible. I right away introduced myself to the town on social media. I went out as many places as you could because we were limited to let them know, look, I'm the new mayor. This is who I am. This is what I believe. And I've just, my personal thing is I've just tried to get as many people involved in the town as humanly possible, whether it be through the rec or the library or you name it, the economic development. I don't ask them what their affiliation is. I don't ask them what they believe. It's like, do you have an interest in making this town better? Okay, so let's do this. Bring your ideas. Bring me what you think this town is lacking. From us personally, there was two specific things everyone wants. Everyone said, congratulations on becoming a mayor. When are you going to start building us parks? And when are you going to fix the downtown area? Well, we've already got the first park that we're going to be building. Hopefully soon we're going to start doing that behind our library slash, you know, Borough Hall. Right. There's another local park that we want to work on that's coming second. Then we have a town pool slash rec area that's next. When it comes to downtown, a, a lot of people, and you know this too, a lot of people just think like, you know, the government can build that. It's just like, yeah, we'll just take some money and we'll fix all the right. awnings and everything. I'm like, no, that's the worst way to do it. What we need here yeah. is someone who has money, financial backing, who has an interest in doing this because he'll do it smartly because it's his own money and let them come with a plan. So we've been interviewing a couple of people who have interest in doing that and they're going to come to us in the next few months like kind of lay out their plans their vision they're going to have to work with you know the landlords and the people that are in the town we're not you know we're, we don't steal people's property so we're not condemning we're not right. taking by eminent domain right. it's got to be voluntarily that's a that's a big deal with me like we don't do things we don't take we, right. we encourage we're gonna so that's the two main things that i'm doing other than that i've just tried to make the town a fun place you know the first month after getting appointed, like my wife and me did the holiday light contest where, you know, there was like a hundred families that participated. It was just fun seeing even in the middle of the pandemic, a bunch of families running around with clipboards, figuring out, you know, who they want to vote for. That was a great thing. We did a book drive in February. We got almost like 14,000 books. And one of the guys, uh, I know, you know, David Cypher, he was part, he was a part of your first uh, episode. He yes, helped he us out with that as well. Yeah. <laughs> We're starting a town-wide uh, workout initiative in July. We have like seven local, you know, martial arts, gym, what have you. They're going to post workouts every day for the town to do. I'm just trying to do as much as humanly possible to make it a fun place. The other stuff will take care of itself. People will come with ideas and they'll start because now they know that their, um, their opinions are being listened to. So they're starting to step up. And that's how it, what makes towns great is the people. It's not the mayor or the council. It's the people involved. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um, and that was going to kind of lead to my next question, because obviously, given the political climate these days and how, you know, hyperpartisan both parties have been over the past few years, um, when it comes to the mayor mayorship, right, when it comes to, you know, of course, being the head executive of the town, have you been, ha has 
the voter reception or the reception of the people there like have they have they really taken into account or really care about what your party registration is or they or they do they put that aside and look okay he's really helping out the community he's really you know taking a lot of action straight away as you know in the township you know even if i was just saying as a random person oh even if i was a registered democrat you know i still respect the mayor for really making an impact in the town really making it a nice um safe and uh, comforting community you know where you can of course, you know, establish great relationships with people there. You feel we feel safe and welcomed in the town. Like, how has that been? Like, has the mayor has the mayoralship in um, the borough of Butler been able to transcend um, the current partisan political climate? Yeah, I would say in the past it was a little more adversarial with the opposing parties. Me, that's I've taken a different approach because again, when my entire philosophy is, I'm not going to bother you as long as you're not hurting anyone or taking their stuff. Right. It's really hard to argue with that. So it doesn't matter what you believe. You believe in X. Okay, great. It's not hurting anyone. Fantastic. You can do that. I'm not going to stop it. I'm not pushing my views on you. You might not even know what my views are. I'm just never going to bother you. I met, we know, we, well, another thing that we did was um, we created a Butler directory. Didn't have one. So it was a way to sort of advertise all of our businesses for free. And I talked to a bunch of them and they all started picking my brain. And I said, listen, they're like, you know, do you have a business background? I'm like, I don't need a business background. The only thing I need to know is that you're better at running your business than I am. And I'm going to leave you alone. And you would see that their mouth like wide open and gave, because I don't think that anyone's ever said that to them, that's a politician. I'm like, yeah, like free markets. I'm leaving you alone. Same thing with anyone that has approached me about, you know, fundraising for a park or doing some sort of event. I don't ask what your political affiliation is. We have a vested interest in making the town a better place. So there's no reason to even bring politics into this. Right. No, that's perfect. And especially considering that, and since you've been taking more, I guess, more of a pragmatic approach and really not, you know, saying, oh, I'm a conservative Republican, you know, vote for me just because of that. Um, it, you know, it seems to really be working. And of course, in a rare case of, you know, like I said, you know, an, um, an exception to the hyperpartisan climate. Um, do you plan to take that to like the next level anytime soon? Have you thought about running for higher office, um, you know, in the near future or run for reelection as mayor? Like, like, what are your what are your plans uh, for politics in the future? Well, initially, my um, I have a vested interest in Butler, so like we have to. I have a special election I have to run in this November, and I'll be running again next year for the four year term. Uh, my focus is on Butler right now. Where whether I become a congressman or a senator or president of the United States in the future, sure I would love it, but it's just not in my immediate plans right now. Right now, I am like laser focused on Butler. And just just pushing the message of liberty. One thing that I, another thing that I am doing is, you know, this month was um, Pride Month. We issued a proclamation, which a lot of towns do. We got some flags because people wanted the uh, Pride flag put up. We don't put up any other flags other than the United States flag, the state flag, and the POW flag. Um, a couple had approached me about that. I said, I'll do you one, one even better. I promise you that I will never suggest, support, or sign any law that says that same-sex couples can't live the life that they see fit. Right. That's a much better deal than putting a pride flag up, right? And they have to admit yes. So right now, I just want to spread that message not only in my town, in my neighboring towns, and across the state. We should all be promoting freedom. Keep your, your views on your views. You're allowed to have them. Just don't force them on anyone else. I think that if we did that at the state level, at the federal level, this would be a much better, less polarizing country. Yeah, absolutely. And I was definitely going to ask this. I mean, I have, I definitely have my own thoughts on this, but um, the role, like the role of, um, I guess, 
liberty-minded to libertarian-leaning types of Republicans, you know, because, like, you and I would definitely uh, lean more in, like, the Rand Paul, Ron Paul circles than, you know, like, let's say your Mitt Romney's or your Liz Cheney's. Um, do you see the New Jersey uh, Republican Party or the, or the conservative move in New Jersey um, heading towards that direction? Or do you see them, you know, heading more of like a populist or back to the traditional Bush era type of conservatism? Like, where, where do you see the direction of the NJGOP heading? It's kind of funny, cause again, just my opinion from the conversations you have at the events and parties, there seems to be this split. There seems to be that old, you know, never Trump conservative party. Then there's like the kind of like the uh, MAGA Trump followers. Then there's the more libertarian freedom people. There is some overlap between the Trumpers and the uh, liberty-minded people. Yeah. people. yeah. But um, it, there is a definite split, and we just need to kind of get on the same page. I feel like there should be more libertarians in the Republican Party. There's a lot of libertarians I think would make great politicians. Um, Larry Sharp comes to mind. Yes. Just right off the top of my head. He's in the same realm of like a Thomas Massey or a Rand Paul that I think would definitely get some stuff done if they were in the Republican Party. But it, it, it's a slow march. And I just think it's just going to take some time. And the more you keep saying it, the more you can. I practice what I preach. And I'm very. Uh, I believe I believe my own uh, my own hustle, and I'm just promoting it as much as possible. Yeah, you're walking the talk. Exactly, and the more you keep doing that, I think people like start believing it. And they'll follow it because it's like, we have all our services, we have a good town, our schools are run good, the towns run well, and this guy really does leave us alone. He really um, practices the way he preach, and that's the way we just have to keep heading. That's the new guard that's eventually going to take over, and that's the way I think to do it is just keep pushing that liberty uh, narrative. Yeah, no, that that's absolutely perfect. It's a hundred percent spot on, and I know you and I are going to be looking to play a huge roles in that within the New Jersey Republican Party for, for years to come, for sure. Um, you know, again, thank you so much for coming on, Ryan. Uh, it's definitely been a great conversation. Um, definitely, you know, learned a lot about, you know, about you and, you know, how you've been able to, you know, of course, handle yourself and really uh, rise yourself up within uh, local New Jersey politics. So I really thank you for that. Um, you know, your mayor, your mayoralship currently uh, really sets an example of, um, you know, what liberty-minded legislators can do, especially if they can transcend party lines and look past, oh, you know, we should, you know, screw the two-party system just, you know, just because we don't agree with anyone on them, which, again, like, there's a point to that. And, of course, it's very important to stand on principles, but at the end of the day, um, you really owe it to your ideas to win. I believe it was, um, what was his name? Uh, Morton Blackwell, former, he was the founder of Leadership Institute. He said something along the lines of that. I mean, granted, it was about traditional conservatism at the time, but it also applies very well to, um, you know, the right-leaning libertarian circles, you know, that you're starting to see, especially in the upcoming younger generations, the, the Gen Z generation, especially within the Republican Party. Um, so this is definitely something we need to do moving forward. And, uh, you know, again, I, I really appreciate you being on today. Thanks for having me. Let's keep, press, let's keep pressing along and treating everyone as individuals and Americans. Stop divvying everyone up between ideologies, race, sex, etc. It's not going to get us anywhere. Amen. Yeah. Again, thank you guys for listening. Um, the MCAST is available. Like, follow, follow at the MCAST on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, you name it. We also had not just, we're also on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, um, RSS feed. Um, all the links are going to be in the description below. Um, and if you're interested in becoming a, a, a guest speaker on, on the podcast, just like uh, Ryan Martinez here, um, please email me at the mcastshow at gmail.com. I'll send you over a form so we can figure out what you want to discuss in a, on an upcoming episode. And thank you so much for your time.
Thanks again, man. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Of course.